0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. I also want to just start before we even pray. I, um, I like running. I really enjoy running, but I don't run a lot nowadays. Uh, it's, it's a big challenge to eke out time to run at the moment. Uh, but this morning I went for a run. I just felt like I needed to go for a run and needed to also just pray about this message, and uh, and the last couple of days, even leading up to, to speaking, uh, I just felt like a conflicting. I don't know. It was like a feeling in my heart, and on, I did not know what it was like. So when I was running this morning, I actually just spoke it, and I just said to God, like, I don't know if it's condemnation from the from the devil, who's just telling me, uh, you know, you're not qualified to to preach this sermon. Let's face it, you're not qualified. Uh, or is it the Holy Spirit that's actually convicting me and actually going, listen, before you preach the sermon, let's just look at your life. Let's look at your own heart. And uh, so I had this conflict, and I had this spark in my, in my mind, this little thing just saying, but treat it as both. Treat it as both. Why not? So treat it as conviction and Repent. And come to God and deal with it. And, I mean, the, we'll speak about it today, but it's, it's our life. It's our life is, is, is actually just a culture of repentance and staying humble. I mean, it keeps us humble if we keep saying sorry, because we have to. And, uh, but on the other hand, yes, the devil condemns. The devil brings accusations. It's what he, what's he, it's what he does, the voice of the accuser. He comes and he condemns. And all we really have to do is remind him that we are Je- we belong to Jesus we are his and yes you can come and condemn me i am condemned if it was up to me i would be condemned but i'm saved by the blood of jesus christ i'm not condemned i'm not condemned under him when i'm submitted under him so condemnation and conviction come they come all the time even this morning you know we'll have some beautiful worship and a lot of us we're coming from different backgrounds we're coming from different you've had a, everyone's had a different kind of morning this morning, and you come here and you've got thoughts in your mind, you've got things going on in your life, and it easily, I think of uh, Isaiah 6 again, you're in God's presence, and I think there's two voices, there's a voice that condemns you, there's a voice that says, no, you know, you, you shouldn't be here, or you can't connect with God, and it's a lie, it really is, it's a absolute lie. And there's also the voice of the Holy Spirit that draws you in. We're going to speak about it today, but worship, we're going to speak about worship. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's pray together. Yes, Lord, we want to fulfill the purpose of our lives. Each one of us, God, we want to fulfill the purpose for which we were born, and that is to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we are here today, God. We want to fulfill the purpose on our lives, which is to worship you. And we bring ourselves to you this morning humbly, Lord, because we have no idea how to do that. But Holy Spirit, you are faithful, and you will come and speak to our hearts, come and speak to us individually and together as a body. And lead us into all truth. And help us. You are also the spirit of liberty. You free us, God. We thank you for that freedom this morning. And we look forward to that freedom this morning, God. We thank you for who you are. And we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you remember that very catchy but very awful song. (laughs) That said, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, don't make a pretty woman your wife. I don't know if you know that song. (laughs) I I want to replace the last few words with, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, worship God. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, worship God. It's our purpose. We were born to worship God. So I want to just touch a little bit on a definition and then we'll launch in a bit of time myself. So in the Old Testament, the word that's mostly used for worship is the word shakar. And it means, and I think all of you would know this definition already, it means to bow down, to revere. It's the contrast of exalting ourselves. It's bowing down. And it's submitting under. Now, interestingly enough, in the New Testament, the Greek word is proskynio. And uh, it means exactly the same thing. Also, bow down, revere. It actually also means to kiss towards and, uh, and reverence. So this is one of the most popular kind of description of the word worship in the bible there's a few other ones but we'll, help, however, we'll hang on this one for now so what is worship i think it's like it's 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 something that's hard to define but i've tried to think about it a lot i love worship and even when i say that what am i actually meaning <laughs> what do i love A lot of the times, I love the music. I'm musical. I love music. I love bands. I love going to listen to live music, secular also. I'm actually going to watch Franchot and Coke and Friends next weekend or two weekends' time. Um, I love music. So when I say I love worship, do I mean I love music, or do I mean I love worship? And what do I think worship is? (laughs) You know, it's not that. It's almost like it's. I think it's simple. But it's also, there's a bit of a cloud around it. I think, and I've kind of tried to summarize it. I think worship is a response. It's a response. And it's the response of submitting under the object of our worship. And that sounds like it's massive. It's actually quite simple. Worship as an action worship as a something that you do is a response so you see something and you respond to it by submitting under it. Okay. Submitting under whatever it is and that's the scary part and we're going to get into that now. We're going to get into it now but worship is responding by submitting under the object of our worship. That is worship. And if you kind of think of it like that, easily you could think a huge concert, Christian concert, and I've been to many, could actually not be worship. It's possible. <laughs> it's, possible that, it's possible that everyone at that concert might not actually worship at that concert. It's possible. But it's also possible God is... Mysterious that way. It's also possible that people can worship anywhere. Because worship is submitting. Well, let's say people can worship God anywhere. People are worshiping everywhere. And I'll speak about that now. We all worship. Everyone in this world worships. But that's what I think. I think worship is a response to seeing something and you respond by submitting under it the object of your worship. Yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've been at great, amazing, and wonderfully talented and anointed worship experiences. And I've come away super excited. I mean, you do. You come away like, oh, going to take on the world, you know. And, uh, but then the, the sustainability of it I always wonder about, like even for myself. Like, how, how does that how does get sustained in your life? And is it actually genuine worship? I don't know. Because we are emotive beings, and God is emotive. There's nothing wrong with emotion. He's given it to us. He wants to engage with us in our emotions. But I think this is so key to actually just start looking at things in our lives and going, what, am I worshiping something else also? Am I submitting under something else? So worship is what your life centers around. Worship is what your life centers on. It's your ultimate goal in life. What is your ultimate goal in life? It's essentially your worship or what you worship. What are your ultimate loves? This is challenging stuff. What are your ultimate loves? What is your heart connected to? What is your heart actually connected to in in your life every day? I think of it like this, our our days as parents of two small kids, you don't get much time to even just think about stuff, (laughs) but what do you think about when you have a moment, when you have a moment for yourself, what comes into your mind, and I don't want to shoot down other things, but it's just interesting, I think for myself, it's interesting what comes up, what do you think about when you have time for yourself? What do you gravitate towards? Where do you, where, and where is you, your heart stirred? It's not just about thoughts, but about actually engaging with your heart. Another one, what do you glorify? What do you glorify? And last one, where do you find your soul satisfaction? Where do you find your soul satisfaction? And these are questions we've got to ask ourselves, actually daily. We're going to get into that just now. The necessity of worship. It's very interesting. Like I said, everyone worships, and it's, I, I, I can prove it. Um, we've got some family members in our family that they don't believe God exists. No interest. Actually get very upset if you speak about God. But they are completely dedicated to many things in life. One of them is the environment. And I don't want to say we shouldn't be dedicated to the environment. We should. We should actually be better than the rest. (laughs) But there's this you can see it's worship because this family member is infatuated with the environment. Infatuated with the fact that we are destroying this planet. That we can save this planet. And I think that's where the danger comes in. We can save this planet. We can. And she's consumed by it. Consumed. It's every waking day, like, preaching about it, sharing messages, engaging. So straight away you kind of see this thing of she's seeing something. She's responding to it by submitting under it. And in the end, it's, it's not. It consumes you. It draws you in. And I think everyone worships. I mean, there's many religious people around the world who worship other gods? I always like to think, and I love apologetics, so I love having conversations with people about the whole thing of nobody. We are all worshiping the same God. I, it's just makes no it makes no logical sense because the God that I know is very specific, and the other gods that are popular aren't like him. It's like almost like saying nobody's oh, got a split personality, or he's... He doesn't know who he is. He, he's very specific, and we can know him. And um, so I, I struggle a bit with that. Like, But everyone worships. Bottom line, everyone worships. Everyone at your work worships something. might not be a religious deity. In a way, it becomes a religion to them, whatever they're worshiping. Even if they say that they are atheists, they're worshiping something. Something is super important to them and so important that they are submitting their hearts under this thing they're submitting their lives under this thing willing to lay their lives down <laughs> so everyone worships it's interesting that there's no third option for for us as human beings we worship so at the end of the day we either worship god or we worship something that's not god those are the two options There's no third option, because we all worship. Do you see what I'm saying? There's no third option. We worship. So it's either God or it's not God, but we worship something. Now, I think it's very important for us to go through, to break that down a bit. The object of our worship, like I said, worship for me is a response to seeing something and submitting under that object So what's very important for us is to know what is the object of our worship. What are the objects of our worship? So the options are false idols and then the scary option that falls into the category of false idols is what Henny likes to call a a build-a-bear God. So you know build-a-bear. My kids have done it. They built a Chase from Paw Patrol, and uh, I don't know what the, the bunny is, no, Ava built a bunny called Rebecca, build a bear. So we, we must be careful because we can build our own idea of God, we must be very careful there, we're going to speak about it a bit, and then we can worship God, God is the object of our worship. That's where we should be. So idolatry. It's tough stuff. So in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20, 20, verse 1 to 6, I'll just read those six verses for us. It says, and God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourself an image in any form or form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And then consequences. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Straight away, I've always thought, wow, third or fourth generation to those who hate me, but a thousand generations to those who love me. That's powerful. That's powerful. But just listen to this. I am the Lord, your God. I am a jealous God. I love you. I created you to worship me. I created you for intimacy, for relationship. Come and worship me. Come and worship me. Now, I'm going to speak a bit about false idols and want to qualify. I think we all, in some way, are attracted to and are tempted to worship false idols in our lives all the time. Okay, so let's just say that off the bat. We are all human beings. We all struggle. I don't think we can ever get away from that. So we're going to speak about a few of these. Think about it. And I think you might, we might start recognizing things that actually grip our own lives from time to time maybe. Maybe intensely at this moment you are gripped by something. So we worship at different altars of false idols. We worship at the altar of materialism. The altar of materialism is stuff. And like I said, and, well, and finances, money. Like I said, it's, it's very much connected to what we see, maybe not physically with our eyes only, but with our hearts, with our lives. What do we see? And how do we respond to it? But we many times worship at the altar of materialism. And our world is geared to help us very much worship at that altar. <laughs> Advertising is geared. Companies are geared to help us worship at that altar of materialism. And unfortunately, that's, that's just where we're at. That's where we're at in the world. It's where we're at as human beings. And, it's, and it is getting worse and worse. And social media, I love. I'm, I love social media, but also powerful and dangerous um communication can just go out everywhere now even at our at our company the company i'm working at we wanted to make an announcement you make the announcement on all, all the different platforms <laughs> it's like okay now we've communicated with the whole world it's just crazy how the power it's so powerful at the moment like we are, we are being helped to worship at that altar of materialism. It's easier, unfortunately. It's easier to worship, and it's harder not to worship at that altar. More and more. I think you'll know the scripture from Matthew 6, where Jesus is speaking about treasure. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where the thief breaks in and steals. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, where that that thing is that you worship, that you value, your heart will also be. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, my eyes aren't very healthy. That's why I'm wearing glasses. (laughs) If your eyes are healthy your body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy the whole body your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness? This is Jesus. Then he says and ends with this. No one can serve two masters. Now another popular translation of worship is serve No one can worship two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he actually gives it a very clear application. You cannot love both God and money. It's actually very clear. He speaks very specifically. What's very interesting, too, in Matthew 4... Like two chapters before that is the whole story of Jesus in the desert being tempted. And I just, I, I, I'm always amazed at like how he knows us. He knows our challenges. He knows our suffering. He knows our, the temptations in our lives. Because he was tempted. How's this story? Again, it's Matthew 4, verse 8 to 10. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And showed him, showed him, all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Because there's a lot of splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. If you bow down and worship me. And then Jesus responded beautifully from Exodus 20 and said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we can't serve two masters. We can't worship two masters. And I'm going to get to it now, but some of your minds are running away already and going, but does it mean we must all go live in a desert? You know, what must we do? Just wait. We can't worship God and something else, whatever it is. So we worship at the altar of materialism. We worship at the altar of our own ego and pride. We can't get away from that. It's in our lives. It's in our culture. We worship at the altar of our own ego and pride is our careers are very important to us. Our accomplishments, our successes, and our giftings. Even our giftings, even what we are good at naturally Sometimes we worship at the altar of it, and we actually unhealthily exalt it. We worship sometimes at the altar of science, naturalism, and the environment. It's a challenging one, this. But I've tried to understand it. I've I've recently listened to a book um, by a company called Patagonia Clothing. Uh, they also have other companies, but very much about the environment. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was very challenged by it because it's an unbeliever. Um, but he's, he was just like saying, we are destroying the planet. And I mean, it's actually, it was challenging because he was an unbeliever. Um, he's actually very Zen Buddhism. That's kind of his philosophy. Life philosophy. But he was just saying, we are we are definitely speeding up in terms of destroying this planet as time goes on. And he doesn't see how, he just says like there's so much that we have to do to actually reverse these effects. But he gave a lot of ideas of how. um, The the kind of danger in the middle of that is that we think that we can save this planet. And listen to that. It sounds right. It sounds like, yes, no, we, we should, you know, we should be doing, we should be stewards of this planet, better stewards. And I agree with that. But I don't think we can save this planet. We are not the savior. We are not the savior. We can point and by all means, we have to become more environmentally conscious in everything that we do. And once you start going down that rabbit hole, you realize that it is super challenging to, to change your life, lifestyle, and the way you do everything. Because we are so gripped inside a system. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But we cannot save this planet. Jesus is the only Savior for this planet. He's the only Savior. So in many ways, it can become religious. It can become I mean, I listened to this guy reading his book, and it's, it's a full-on religion. <laughs> it really is. He, and, it, and I'm completely intrigued by it, to be honest. But it's very clear that he's submitting everything and at the feet of this object. And his heart is engaged in this object. Very, very interesting. Then, one of the scariest ones and I know they've all been scary is that we worship at the altar of ourselves. We worship at the altar of ourselves. And this is becoming more and more prevalent in our times. Unfortunately the younger generations are growing up. You know, if you talk about all the generations, the I don't know what the latest generation is called. I think it's Y. Is it Y? But very much, unfortunately, very much self-focused. Very self-focused. Very focused on, and some, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We're talking about ultimates and essentials here. Okay, it's not a bad thing. There's lots of good things in what's happening at the moment, but in terms of essentials, there's dangerous things happening too. Worshiping at the altar of our souls. So some might think, but but I don't. You know, I don't worship at my own altar. Well, let's let's touch on a few things. Tim Keller has a quote that's just floored me. It said, "If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping worshiping an idealized version of yourself." Whew. <laughs> If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping at an idealized version of yourself. That is, is, yeah, it's hard. Um, A few years ago at a Shofar conference, Jason Upton, the the worship artist, I smile now when I say that because it means something different to me now, but the artist, Christian artist, uh, he was at the conference And he he had some amazing messages. He's very prophetic, but like completely left field. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I think prophets in our modern church are very popular. And I think the prophets of the Old Testament weren't popular. So I don't know why they're popular now, but they weren't popular in the Old Testament. It's like, doesn't make logical sense to me. I don't think prophets are supposed to be popular, actually. not supposed to go out and be unpopular on purpose, but But um, Jason Upton tells the story of this tribe that at sunset, every evening, they would march across the mountains, and they had this place on this one mountain peak, where they would stand, and the sun, as it was setting, would shine from the back of them and project a massive shadow. Of themselves on the opposite mountain, and they would worship. And they would worship. They believed that this was God. They worshipped the shadow. They believed that this was God. Every day, we'd go and worship God. The powerful message in that is exactly what Tim Keller says. Sometimes we could be convinced that we are worshiping God, but we've got to be so careful. Because too easily, us as human beings, we are actually worshipping an idealized version of ourselves. It's very scary stuff, I know. But God is faithful. I can tell you now. God is faithful, and He wants us to worship Him more than we want to worship Him. So we're going to pray just now. What was very interesting in uh, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, at a certain section... um, a lot of scholars, they say they can't make any other sense about this portion except for that this is a story about Satan and his fall. Satan and his, well, let's just say that, his fall. Very, very powerful what's written here, but listen to this. In Isaiah 14 verse 12, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, O sun of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the top of the clouds. Then the key statement, I will make myself like the Most High. And then the consequence, but you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. What I want to say there is that if you look carefully at our world, at ourselves, at everything going on around us, is that there's a desire in us to become God, to become the Most High, and we think that we can do it. We we're convinced that we can be God in this world. We can't. The consequence is there for the one who led this rebellion. <laughs> the consequence is there. You were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So false idols, like I said, in that category, I'm wrapping up now. We can also the danger is also the builder bear God. So constructing a God and it kind of ties into this whole self image thing. But I don't know if you knew, but when Moses went up the mountain and the Israelites were left at the bottom and Aaron was in charge and they built this golden calf, I don't know if you know, but the golden calf was actually Yahweh, or they called him Yahweh. So they called this golden calf God. They called him Jehovah. They called him Elohim. You can go read in the, in the, in the Hebrew. Aaron even said, tomorrow we are going to have a celebration to, to he said, uh, I think Jehovah So he was he was saying that you know this is taking too long <laughs> you know Moses is away let's make a plan so they were they thought they were worshipping God but they in effect were worshipping an idol it's very very challenging build a big god if you look at ch- christian history i love history and i've read i actually listened to a also a book the other day by Walter Martin called the kingdom of the cults and it's a it's a book about all the Christian cults. So cults in our world, religions in our world that have kind of started as Christian maybe or not even started as Christian, but they look like Christianity. And when you look at their core teachings and the fruit of that teaching, you'll see that it's not Christian. And there's a lot of, a lot of these cults. Again, an appearance. I think... Um, the reality is that we, we become what we behold. We become what we worship. So what we worship affects us. There are consequences to worship. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.